So welcome everybody. I'm Shabel, your host. Welcome to the Perusia podcast on this live interview with someone who's very close to me, a very good friend who's been out to Australia a few times. But uh, before, just to introduce you to him, um, you may have seen maybe a, pro- a program called A Biblical Walk with Mary um, or another program called A Biblical Walk for the Mass or another program through Ascension Press, um, No Greater Love. You may have seen other uh, programs on uh, Augustine Institute. So uh, on the form platform, you would have seen Symbolon or many of those programs. You may have watched EWTN and you saw this man's face guiding Bible studies. You may have just Googled, uh, um, you know, uh, theology of the body or, or, or scripture and he just pops up. Basically, everywhere you turn in the Catholic world, this man is doing an amazing job in the space of faith formation, focus as well is a major part of, of his ministry. He's none other than the one and only Dr. Edward Shree, and he joins me live now from Colorado. Hello, Doc. How are you going? Hello. Going well. Thank you. Really good to be with you. It's amazing we can do this across the world. It's, yes. four, it's four o'clock on, on Tuesday afternoon here in Denver, Colorado, <laughs> and you're ahead of us, I believe. <laughs> a That's little right. Bit. <laughs> I can tell you um, uh, the weather is, is a bit... Um, it's a bit overcast at the moment. It's getting cooler in this side of the world. Um, but I can't tell you the lotto numbers or, or um, any of that. That doesn't seem to work. I've tried. I've tried to tell my American friends um, and predict the lottery numbers, but they just never work. So I can't <laughs> help you there. I always get asked. <laughs> How have you been? I've been well. Yeah, we've got our weather here in Denver. has been great. I'm going to show you just a little picture. I don't know if you can even see. You can't, uh, there you go. Oh, you can see gorgeous. the mountains. This is some of the mountains of Colorado. You've been up here, Charbel, actually. Yes. You visited us at the focus office. So we're just in the mountains of the Rockies, just outside of Denver is where our offices are. And I'm just finishing up my, my work day here. And we've been all hanging in there, you know, as the world has been, you know, struggling in the last several months here under lockdown and um, trying to find the Lord's will and his plan for us in the midst of these difficult times. And uh, God bless what you all do. You know, so many good groups like you, you providing good faith formation when people can't maybe get to their parish or can't get to mass. And it's wonderful that there's these chances to grow in our faith still. Yeah, praise God. It's been amazing. As difficult as it was when I remember when we had to lock down and cancel all the events, even uh, we're still coming to grips with canceling all these international events. So not being able to see you this year um, in Australia is going to be difficult. But uh, thank God the internet has allowed us to still be connected and do these types of interviews, um, social media. And we've we've experienced, you know, many, many people, we've re- probably reached more people in the last few months online than we ever have uh, in our, our events. So it's been an interesting time. Um, so we're, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going and yeah. try to reach as many uh, souls as possible. So uh, thanks. It, thanks for making it possible as well uh, for being with your ministry and, and the work that you do. Oh, glad to be here. Glad to be with you. But let's dive right in. Um, Dr. Edward Tree, you, you weren't always a doctor. There was a time uh, before you were a doctor. Um, you have always been Catholic, I understand, but there was a time where you didn't take your faith as serious as, um, as you are now. So I'd love to give people an insight of who Dr. Edward Tree is. We, we're familiar with you, you know, the, at the moment through Focus and Augustine and, and Ascension and EWTN and all these great places. But what about you as a person? Were you um, when did your faith become real? And 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 I'd love to talk about your upbringing and then um, and then dive into a bit of um, 
you're married and then and then getting into ministry. So let's start yeah. from the beginning. Uh, who is Dr. Edward Shree? <laughs> <laughs> well, with Pope Francis, I'll say I'm a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll start there. <laughs> and I've been grateful, gratefully redeemed by our Lord Jesus Christ and blessed with the, the Catholic faith. But, mm. uh, you know, I, I grew up in a Catholic home in the Chicago area. Uh, and you know, had great Catholic schools. Looking back on it, it was amazing. Uh, I, I just thought this was normal, but we had mass. Like we went to mass, I think every day uh, in our Catholic school, and we had adoration every Friday. You know, for the for the students at this Catholic school, and we had like a hundred altar boys for the big feast days. I mean, it was it was a it was awesome Catholic little little niche school, and. I just thought that that's, well, that's just what everybody has. And it was only later in life I realized people didn't know about the Eucharist. They didn't know about um, so much of their faith. So I was very blessed at a young age. And that was grade school. Um, When I went off to college, high school and college, my faith was always a a part of me. And I would say it was an important part. You know, I I prayed every day uh, a little bit, like maybe a couple minutes. It wasn't like I was doing holy hours or anything, but my faith was important to me. I remember a priest encouraging me to pray a, a decade of the rosary every day. And I started doing that like in seventh grade. Um, so oh, wow. it, it really, if people like encourage like a little thing like that. So I think that Marian devotion, I think uh, Mary has been very faithful to me <laughs> because of that. I think, uh, so I'm very grateful for that. Kept me out of a lot more trouble than I could have gotten into. I never stopped going to mass. It was, I never had like a rebellious phase with my faith, you know, so it was important. But if I was honest in those young adult years, college and young professional life, while my faith was important, it wasn't the number one thing. Um, there were other things that were grabbing my attention, like success and classroom, success in getting internships, uh, wanting to have a great career, making money, having a girlfriend, playing in a band, all these things were like, like, much more like, you know, captivating my attention, but gradually over time, the, uh, in those young adult years, my, my face started to take off and it became, you know, I, I can remember very particularly being on a retreat and hearing the story of the rich young man and the priest talking about the rich young man and going, here's a good man. He loves God. He obeys the commandments. He's not getting into trouble. But when Jesus says, are you willing to give me everything? The rich young man walked away sad. And I thought, crud, that's me. <laughs> I'm the rich young man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not perfect, but I'm generally going to church and most college students aren't. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, you know, I care about the pro-life cause. I was involved by pro-life group on campus. I mean, I was doing, a, I, w- I would show up at campus ministry things. I, I, well, I mean, I'm amazing. Like I deserve a good <laughs> pat on the back. But that night, it really hit me that I was still the Lord of my life. I, I hadn't really let Jesus really, be the number one thing, be the set. He was a part of my life and a very important part, but not the center. Um, so that, that, that really changed the the course of everything, you know, it was really from that moment on of going, okay, it's not just about going through the motions. I want to be a saint. I want to try my best to love Jesus. And, um, and that all happened just as I was graduating college, you know, so I'm getting close to graduating college and here's a thing. Fa- I don't know if I've ever told you this part of the story, Charbel. Okay. This is a, Fascinating part of the story. So I had, uh, I got a job offer for one of the top 20 companies in the world to go work for them at their corporate headquarters in Michigan. And it was an amazing job opportunity. And I had done an internship with them. So it was a great way to launch a career. I was going to have a career in marketing and public relations and communications for this company. 
And everything I've been doing had been kind of leading up to getting a great job like that when you graduate from college. But the Lord had been stirring in my heart those last several years. And I remember going, what should I do? Should I take the job or should I go work for the church? And I went home to my pastor who ended up, he's, he's, he's a retired bishop now. At the time, he was the pastor at my parish. And I just said, what should I do? And he said, you know, everything you've been doing, you know, has been the lead up for something like this. And we need good, faithful lay people in the secular world to do good things, to bring the gospel there. Why don't you take the job? You know, and then if, if God wants you to stay in the secular world, you can be a great source of light. We need people in business and in, you know, all in the world sharing the gospel. But here's the prophecy. He gave a little prophecy next. He says, but if you're not called to work out there and God does want you to work in the church, you will learn valuable skills and gain valuable experiences that you could use for the sake of the kingdom. And if you would have asked me back when I was a young 22-year-old that I was going to become an author, I was going to do all these video projects, and I'd be having, you know, doing radio shows, EWTN podcast, all these things, I would have, I mean, it was not on my radio screen. I just thought, I'll be a youth minister. I'll teach at a Catholic high school. I never thought of using the media in this way. But as I worked for this company, that's what I was doing. I was trained by uh, like uh, NBC, the major, one of the major wow. media outlets. Like they had former executives do training for us on how do you do interviews, especially high pressure interviews. You know, I got training in how to do video, training in how to do radio training. So I got all these experiences. And I remember when we were, when we were developing the Symbolon program, it was back then the, the program was just me and two other guys, two other video guys at the Augustine Institute. And, and I would be saying things like, all right, we need to, we need the lighting to be like this. And I think we need to connect these two things in the editing. And they're like, you're just a theologian. How do you know about these things? <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it hit me right then I go, Oh my goodness, my pastor was right. And it, it was like, you know, 20 years later, like I all of a sudden using the skills that I had gained while working in the corporate world. So uh, I'm so thankful for the wise advice of of my pastor and thankful for the Lord giving me those those experiences that I hope I've used well for the sake of his kingdom. How, how many years were you there in that in that uh, corporate job? You know, it was only a couple of years. It wasn't okay. a long time. Yep. You know, because my heart was while I was there, I was in the evening working with the youth group. I was doing apologetic groups for the adults. I was teaching confirmation. I was like, Every, everything on the evening and the weekend was all about what I was doing at the local parishes. And I was reading theology and apologetics. That's all I wanted to do. And I realized that's my passion. Why don't I make that my day job? <laughs> so yeah. eventually I went to Franciscan University. I got to study with uh, amazing teachers like Dr. Scott Hahn and many others. And we know him. A, yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Scott was a, a dear friend, a great mentor for me. I wouldn't be the teacher I am without uh, so much of what he taught us about scripture and the Catholic faith. And um, so uh, that, that was a great experience. I went off to Rome and did my doctorate there. Uh, what, what was your, uh, what field, what did you uh, do your doctorate in? So my role, it was in theology. So systematic theology, although my dogmatic theology, my emphasis was always scripture though. So it was bringing okay. scripture and theology together and showing how our Catholic faith uh, while it's developed over the years, of course, it's all has roots in scripture in, in the inspired yes. word of God. So that's always been my interest in bringing those two together. Wow. So you, you've done quite a bit. So from college, uh, you, you did some work, you went to Franciscan University, and then you did uh, your doctorate in, in Rome. How, so I'm trying to do the math here. Are you still in your 20s by now? Uh, by the time, are you probably now 
transitioning into your 30s. Uh, this is quite a few years now. No, I, um, I was 17 when I went to Rome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, no, I think I was in Rome, maybe like 27, 20, okay. 24. Oh, no, no, I was Rome. Sorry. I would have been Rome like when I was about 26, I think 27. Okay. I started teaching at Benedictine College in Kansas. And then I would have been like, I think 28 or so when I started. Okay. Teaching. Okay. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to. Now, were you married yet at this point? Are you? Um, not, not, not in Rome. So no. my wife was one of the first focus missionaries. Okay. So we fell in love. We're the first of the many, many marriages that have come out of focus. So there are six of us at that new staff training and there were two weddings that came out of that group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So that, that was, would you say uh, since coming back uh, to the States um, and teaching was focus, tell us about focus, how it started, because this is where things really started to, to, to expand for you uh, in ministry. Um, what is focus um, and how did it get started? This would be interesting for our viewers. Yeah, so FOCUS stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students, although now we have tens of thousands of alumni that we serve that work all over the country. There's some alumni I've met wow. down there in Melbourne. I remember, yes. do you remember that when we That's were down right. there? So he's that, that are working in the church there. So uh, we have people all over the world now that we we still work with. So, But basically, it's a, it's a, it's a apostolate that's dedicated to training people. Like, first of all, evangelizing young people and then training them to go out and evangelize others. Uh, it started in 1998 in January uh, at Benedictine College. So I was a brand new professor there. I was just teaching, and uh, my good friend Curtis Martin. He's the he's you know we're in graduate school together. He was the one that had the vision for this thing called Focus. And all I was doing was helping my good friend. You know, I said, "Oh, hey, maybe when you get that Focus thing started, you want to come here to Benedictine, come meet some of our students, and I just want to help you." So he and I did a retreat that weekend and I organized it with about 24 students. And at the end of the retreat, sharing the vision of what focus was going to be, because it didn't exist yet, except in Curtis's head. Uh, the students at the end said, oh, we love this. We want to start now. And Curtis says, well, I live in Ohio. I can't really help you. But Professor Sree's here with you. He'll help you start focus. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I got my dissertation to write and I, I, got, I got a full-time job already. So then Curtis and I began launching it. He was in Ohio. I was in Kansas. and We'd be up till two in the morning writing Bible studies together. Wow. And I would tell you, Charbel, it, it, the, the experience of watching what Focus did in its first couple of years at Benedictine College changed my life. Um, I mean, it was one of the most amazing opportunities to see mm. grace. You don't usually get to see grace in action, but it, it was tangible. So let me tell you about the story of Benedictine. Today, it's known as one of the best Catholic colleges in the United States, very dynamic, faithful. My daughter who, who uh, goes there now. Oh, wow. um, and, but at the time it wasn't, it was like one of the number one party schools in the Midwest. It was known for a lot of drunkenness and unchastity. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of faith going on. You'd get maybe a couple students show up at a daily mass. Um, and, and what happened is, you know, we, we prayed a lot. Like we had the initial core, we, we, we did Bible studies with, college students and they would go through conversions and then and we prayed with them and we said do you want to see the campus turned on fire for christ and so in that first year we had a core group of uh maybe three guys and four girls and they committed every night for six weeks to go to daily mass and then pray afterwards and pour their hearts out for the campus and that's what they did they Wow. They prayed wow. for an end of drunkenness and they prayed for chastity. They prayed for the football team. They prayed for the drama department. 
And then in the next four months, it all happened. There were conversions on the football team, conversions in the drama department, all these people embracing sobriety and saying, I don't want to go to the drunken parties anymore. And, and then, so within three years after Focus got there, they had about a fourth of the student body, 25%, one out of every four college student in Bible study. They had like 300 people, which were, at the time would have been like a third of the student body starting to go to daily mass. They started doing perpetual Eucharistic adoration on campus. They, they, they never had done that before. And they, they, they were getting about 10 vocations every year religious wow. vocations coming out of Benedictine College. Benedictine College became the second largest theology department in, in all of the United States. And, and that'll happen like in three to four years. And everybody there knows there were many factors, but that focus is one of the key uh, influences driving that forward. So just that experience of seeing the impact, I knew that this is not just going to be a force at Benedictine College. This is going to change the world. And so Can since then, focus has spread you know, all over the country. We serve in Europe now on multiple oh, places. Um, you know, they have the big SEEK conference every year that you might, some of your people in Australia probably watch online. Yes. And we get a lot we have of a few that go there. Yeah, a few Aussies go there. Yeah. I've met some of them and it, it's amazing. So, but, but we're just seeing, you know, in the United States, to give you a perspective, one out of, I think it's like one out of every three or four priests all have focus in their background today. Like the new vocations going in. Wow. I think it's like one out of three. I, I don't I know the exact statistics, but there was a new study done, not by Focus. It was done by the U.S. Bishop's kind of Office for Vocations. And they, it showed that, yeah, it was like so many of them, uh, of the new priests coming in have been touched by Focus. Uh, that's the kind of impact we're having. And same thing with religious sisters. Um, so many of them, I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of them out leading, leading parishes, Catholic schools, dioceses. So it, it really is kind of a movement that I pray will continue to bear fruit for the new evangelization. Praise God. I'd love to, um, I mean, there's there's some lessons in this for people who are in ministry. Um, if you can, you touched on it there, the strategy you used in a sec, let's face it, it was pretty secular, the environment at the time uh, when focus began at Benedictine. You were saying, um, uh, I mean, it was it was no, no different to a, a secular university or college. So what those Bible studies you mentioned, so what was the, um, what's the secret recipe there? The, the, the idea of focus coming in, you had just a small group to start with. Um, you were leading these Bible studies. What, was there some sort of call to conversion? What, um, what, what is the process a student goes through from, you know, not, not caring about God, you know, on one hand, and then all of a sudden turning up to these Bible <laughs> studies, getting there, okay, what's going on here? And then being transformed. I mean, that this is quite interesting just, because they, yeah. they they're involved in ministry now and, and doing amazing. And not things. just transformed, right? That they're the ones going out and, and yes. evangelizing their peers. What is it that you know? A, a lot of what we we talk about and focus is based. It, you know, Curtis and I were studying mm -hmm. the magisterial teachings on evangelization and the process of catechesis, faith formation, and so the process you know talks about like facilitating an encounter with Christ. That many you know in the new evangelization, there are many people that might be Catholic in name. They may even volunteer at their parish. They might put money in the basket, but they haven't had that personal encounter with Christ. And we have to realize that. And so simply kind of throwing doctrines at them isn't going to necessarily stir their heart. We need to always have right doctrine and focus emphasizes orthodoxy. All the missionaries take an oath of fidelity. So that's essential, but you have to do more than that. And so a lot of what focus does, you know, the missionaries, we, we, so the way it works now, we, you know, we have 
you know, about 800 plus missionaries that are out serving on campuses around the country, around the world. They fundraise their own salary. They go out there and work for two years or more. And when they go out on campuses, what they're doing is they're spending a lot of time with college students. They're helping them move into the dormitories. They're showing up at just, you know, the, you know, all the social events on campus and entering into their lives. And the model is Jesus, that Jesus didn't wait for people in the synagogue to come. He didn't wait for Peter to find him. He didn't do that. He didn't stand up in the synagogue at the end of the service and say, okay, and here's the announcement on Wednesday night. I'm going to give a talk at 7 p.m. He didn't do that. Jesus went out to the people. And I think this is something Pope Francis has beautifully emphasized, that we need to have an open door church, an open door not to passively welcome people in, but open door so that we in the church go out to the people mm-hmm. uh, and spend time with them. Uh, and, and, and it's not about going, I'm going to go out and beat you over the head with the Bible. No, it's I'm going to go out and authentically just love you be your friend, take an interest in your life. And then because you sense that I, I care about you, whether you become Christian or not, that I legitimately love you for who you are as a son or daughter of God, that just opens up so many doors, you know, unlike other, there's other evangelical movements out there that you can tell you're just a number, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, and, and, and I'm sure focus missionaries have made that mistake, you know, as well, but but that's not what we train to. And I, I think it, that that wouldn't bear fruit. And the fact that we're bearing so much fruit is a testament to, I think people really feel drawn uh, to go out to the lost, to those that are struggling. And that's what they did. And at Benedict and I saw that they would go out to those that were in the party scene and all that. And it wasn't, I'm here to show you what you're doing is wrong. It's here to, I love you. And then I'm going to invite you to, to, to look at a different way of life and come to Bible study and come to be a part of this group. And then they, as they're encountering the word of God, uh, and in the Catholic faith in its fullness, they see this is just so much better. <laughs> so. Wow. So that's the key friendship there and, and building friendship, genuine friendships. Um, and so then uh, that's obviously having an impact on these, on these students. Um, and, and, and that's, that, that's right there. Um, wow. Okay. So that's, you've, you've heard it people. What's the secret? Don't, don't just um, teach. Don't just uh, preach. But you've got to befriend and, and be authentic with your um, with your generosity and, and really be out there uh, wanting to help people. I, I think that's a great I say start. On, on, on that note, Charbel, that's harder to Please. do. Yeah, it's easier. T- it's easier to why. stand up and just teach yeah. the truth. <laughs> yes. It's easier to go, hey, go read this book, you know, or go, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna text someone this article I read to prove the Catholic faith is right. That doesn't take mm. a lot out of me. It actually takes a lot out of me to just accompany people to mm. walk beside them in life and be patient with where they're at, to forgive them, you know, to not judge them and to serve them, to really enter into their life. That, that, that demands a lot out of me. And that's what St. Paul did. St. Paul said, you know, to the Corinthians or the Thessalonians, first Thessalonians 2, eight, it's one of the key verses we talk about all the time in focus. We gave you not only the gospel, but our very selves. And I think it's part of that sacrificial gift of self, not just giving you here's some truths and here's some books and here's some, you know, you know, out here it's I'm giving of myself that that's the, the work that the spirit does through the, the missionaries, you know, to, to, to bless other souls. Wow. Okay. When did, did you meet your wife during this, these early years? Were you in Benedictine where she was one of those uh, focus? I was, I was at Benedictine. We did the first summer training out in Ohio, actually. Okay. So that's where we fell oh, in wow. love. Uh, and then we were married a year later. <laughs> and now, um, Eight children. Eight children. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. I've got 
Yeah, eight amazing children. See, I, you're in this. I, I, this is kind of fun. Can I be casual here and just show you? So here's <laughs> here's a fun, crazy picture of the Sri family. That at least the. Oh, so I got that. I got my eldest daughter. This is taken like a year ago. That's my eldest daughter, Madeline, from 19 all the way down to little Eleanor, who just turned four. So that's our oh. crew. <laughs> oh God bless them! How beautiful. Life is busy. <laughs> Life is full. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Um, you, um, just a, while we're here on this topic, you're actually going to be featuring this weekend on the marriage summit where organized by Damon Owens and, um, Joyfield marriage and joyfully ever after the great apostolate's about to be launched. Um, you'll be speaking with your wife. Is that correct? Uh, that will be featured yeah. this weekend. I'll tell you, it's been so fun, Charbel, because my wife, you know, you've never had a chance to meet her except on the phone. No, <laughs> you know? That's right. Um, <laughs> she doesn't get to travel with me usually when I'm speaking, right? We've got eight kids to take care of. And so she supports the mission. She's very generous, you know, encouraging me to go out there and stuff. But I'll tell you what's happening with, you know, with COVID now, I've been doing so many things like this, these digital events. Yeah. I'm offering digital seminars where I can do a little Bible study for your, for your parish or, you know, over or digitally, but it's giving us a chance to do things together. So we've been invited a number of times to, give some presentations, you know, as a couple. And my wife is amazing. You know, she really, it, it, everyone's all like, oh, I want to go to Dr. Shree. And then if she's with me, they're like, can we hear more from her? <laughs> uh, she's just very lively and, and, and so passionate about things. Um, but I probably think about my wife is that she's very real. And yep. she breaks, she makes the faith real. She'll talk about, and this is what we did in our podcast or in the, in this, uh, this marriage summit, the Catholic marriage summit coming up here this, this week, the talk we gave is called be not afraid meeting Jesus in the difficult places in your marriage. A lot of people oh, don't beautiful. talk about these things, you know? And like, and so, whereas my wife loves to just be honest and just say, it's really hard being married to Edwards three. <laughs> no, but marriage is hard. Like there's challenge. I mean, every marriage is like that. Right. Um, and, and she just really brings out like, and yet that's, it's right in the hard and the difficult that, God wants to form us and shape us. It's right there. And many times we run away from it. We're afraid of dealing with it. We don't want to admit that we have problems in our marriage. You know, but everybody does. They all do. You ask all the speakers, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, Curtis Michael and Martin, all these are dear friends, you know, and I know we've all talked together about the real struggles. I, I think all of us have done some counseling, you know, you know, so I mean, and there's no shame in that. That's actually, it's actually, you know, God will work through you and your your spouse and sanctifying you, the more you're humble and realize you don't have it all together and you need help, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's what we shared on in, in our, in our, in our talk. We're going to do a live event. We're also doing a Q and a session uh, on, on oh, Saturday fantastic. together where people, so if you want to get to meet my wife on and, and you actually get to interact with her, I, I think it's Saturday, one o'clock Denver time. So if you can find out okay. whatever Denver time is, that's translating be early morning, Sunday morning for Sydney, um, those Sydney side it's early morning, um, Sunday morning, uh, that would be like 5am uh, Sunday morning. Yeah, that's a great um, thing to so do. Get, get up, up and 5am. <laughs> that's right. Talk to the street. But that is uh, this, this weekend, literally, um, this is a great opportunity. What a great initiative. Um, I congratulate Damon Owens and and the guys, Joyful Ever After. Go to joyfuleverafter.org. The link is below in the comment section right now. Click on that link, register. It's completely free. Um, and you've got three days of, of learning and being inspired by six over 60 couples, I understand, married couples. Um, I'm just, I'm just uh, yeah, very excited about this and to see other married couples. I know there's going to be, from the Australian side, there's a few Aussies in there. Um, 
uh, Tim Kirk is going to be involved and uh, Simon Carrington. Um, I think the parolers are involved as well. And um, as well as, you know, Dr. Um, Hahn, Scott and Kimberly Hahn will be there yep. and, and many, yep. many others. Uh, so this is quite exciting. Um, register completely free and do that. Do yourself a favor. And if you're, if you're, um, even if you're you're single and you're you know you're looking to um, vocation to marriage, you want to be married one day. You you know you're pursuing someone or you're dating or you're engaged. It's all for you. So seriously, um, do yourself a favor and get on there. Um, what a great initiative! Now, can we continue in the story because this is fascinating? I'm learning a lot about you too. Um, <laughs> your how after Benedictine, did you end up moving from Kansas? What was your next move? How long were you there? Um, and so, then what happened since? Yeah, so I was at Benedictine for nine years. Nine so years, it was okay. a great place. Benedictine is in Kansas. It's about an hour north of Kansas City. Small town, the Midwest. Very comfortable. The you know, the school's been around for 150 years. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. But then in as I was out here, my good friends in Focus, uh, Curtis Martin, Jonathan Reyes, and then Tim Gray was out here at the time. They were all scheming Sean Innes. We had all studied together and knew each other from other things. And they were all scheming about this graduate school called the Augustine Institute. And they were all scheming about trying to get me out and focus wanted me out. And yeah, I want to be out. So I ended up coming out here uh, and we, we launched the, the graduate school, the Augustine Institute. And then, um, and that's really, that's, that's around the time period that focus also started really, it had been under the radar screen for about eight or nine years and kind of, you know, it was growing very gradually, but then word was getting out. And now all of a sudden bishops from all over the country are wanting to bring focus in uh, to their diocese. And that's where you just see this massive kind of takeoff in, in focus as well. So you got AI growing and, and taking off and then focus all of a sudden being, being more on the radar screen as well. So, so it was um, Curtis, um, he was in Ohio, but when we did, he would have moved the office to Colorado at some point. Was it around the same similar time? Um, what was focus the headquarters of focus always in Colorado? Or? Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, focus had been in Colorado. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a different narrative line. Yeah, okay. Curtis was living in Ohio when when he had the dream of focus. Okay. Came out and visited me, you know. But then it was Archbishop Shapu in Denver that invited him to start focus in the Archdiocese of Denver. So, okay. it, yeah. Now, um, many people may may remember World Youth Day was in Denver, right? Um, in Colorado, yeah. um, and and preparing for that a lot of people thought it was going to be a complete flop a complete waste of time leading up to it they thought who's going to turn up in denver this was this in the early 90s the world youth day yeah yep. uh, but uh the complete opposite happened and you had packed crowds and the grace that flowed from there was just phenomenal the conversions and the explosion of uh, these lay apostolates that, that that sort of came out of world youth day um just and we're still f- seeing the fruits today aren't we um uh, that, that would that be, a, in your opinion, I mean, a major um, milestone in American history for, for in the church? Um, that that World Youth Day, that particular oh, World Youth Day. That's a, I'll say it's not my opinion; it's JP 2s opinion. Yeah. Saint John Paul II <laughs> wrote about this. He said World Youth Day, nineteen ninety three, Denver was a, uh, a kind of watershed moment in the history of the church. I mean, it was a historic moment. Like when I think of historic moment, you think of things like. The conversion of Constantine, <laughs> you know, Columbus discovers America, <laughs> you know, you know, think about things like this, you know, you don't, t- you know, 9-11, you know, you may not think of World Youth Day 93, historic moment, but that's what he saw, because he really, wow. 
um, he, he, he came away. We know this because the, the, the bishop that was here at the time told us the story because he went and visited him in Rome and that the, that, that the JP2 realized with all the hope that he saw in the United States, the, the response of the young people, it's that he used to think that the evangelization would come from the East to the West. Like it'd be Europe needs to evangelize America to make it, you know, a Protestant country, more Catholic. Uh, and, and I think he, he came to see, no, 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 it's going to be Denver, America, kind of the Denver, the epicenter of this, this thing. He goes, he saw that there were much more religious value in the younger generation than there was, than anybody seeing in Europe. And that's, you know, I don't think that wow. that's easy. People are commenting on that today, but he saw it early on uh, that, that there's so much response there. So, and I definitely think focus was a key part of that. Curtis and I went to World Youth Day together <laughs> in 1993. We were there when the GPD was calling us to the new evangelization. And so that's made it, you know, I, I think he's, he's been our inspiration behind all we've been doing. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Now uh, the questions are starting to come in. So thank you for, for those. We'll be asking those in a minute or so. I just want to um, now continue a, a nice side note and quite, quite beautifully um, Augustine Institute was founded in 2005. And I know that Lighthouse Catholic Media started in 2005 and you'll be, you'll probably don't know this, Ed, but Perusia started in 2005 as well. So that in that same year, oh, there um, you go. we have these three apostolates and it's been amazing. Now we're partnered in a way in this region, Perusia Media at the time. Uh, we, we, we started with the first CDs and, and Lighthouse were there. There were those, those St. Joseph cassettes that converted to CDs and, and, and <laughs> right. Mark uh, Middendorf was doing a great job in, in distributing through the parish stands. And then eventually Augustine and Lighthouse sort of merged and then Augustine is just going strength to strength doing amazing work and, and now with Formed and everything, that's just, it's just going amazing um, and reaching so many people. And we're blessed on this side of the world to be partnered with, with those great initiatives, great apostolates. But you have a, a big part to play. So you touched on Symbolon and I wanna, I've got here an Australian version of this book that you wrote. Um, we, you called it Love and Vow, but it's actually based on the faith, the Catholic faith, and Symbolon um, uh, was one of your um, ideas back back when you started. How many years now has Symbolon been out? I'm trying to think. Oh, gee, I think it came out 2013, 2014. 2013. Okay. I so think 2013. Six, seven years. Okay, seven years yeah. now. Um, and, and the impact that's had, that's an adult sort of, would you call that, where do you see that fit in, in the piece of someone's journey? Is this like, for adults, uh, who was Symbolon designed for, um, in your opinion, and what was the, the goal? And how has it been utilised ever since over the last seven years? Because I really want to yeah. encourage people, if they haven't seen it, to go check it out. Yeah, I think the idea of Symbolon actually came from my good friend, Sean Innerst, who's here in Denver. You know, it was the idea that, you know, he's very passionate about doing something for RCAA. You know, we need a good resource yeah. for RCAA. Many people who go through RCAA leave the church, in the United States at least. It's like one out of three leave the church within three to five years. And so we need a good resource to like really proclaim the faith, but you have to do it in a very winsome way. And so we were already planning on developing it. And then we saw Bishop Barron right around that time was starting to release a couple of his videos uh, for the Catholicism series. And we thought yes. that's brilliant. Like, like the idea of using the beauty and all that, like we were going to just, we had a beautiful set. We were going to do a lot of religious art, but it was probably more like a, what you might see on an EWTN studio set. That's mm -hmm. what we, that was our model. But when we saw what he did, we thought let's, we can, let's do this. And so we went to Rome and that's where we filmed in Rome. And every episode begins and ends with a beautiful church or a saint or some historical site that opens up that aspect of the Catholic faith. And so the, the program was originally designed for RCA, but it's actually used more 
by just many adults who want to, you know, know their faith better, that they realize they didn't get the faith growing up. <laughs> and so this is really, it's a walkthrough and it does you know, addressing all the, the challenging questions we have today. Everything from, you know, like what, you know, can we really believe the Bible? Is the Bible really inspired by God? You know, can we really believe that sounds like fairy tales, you know, uh, is it, isn't one religion just as good as another? Who are you to impose your truth on me? Uh, I can make up my own morality. Why do I need to go to sacraments? What happens after we die? Um, it really covers like all the essentials that a Catholic should know about the Catholic faith, you know, and I would bet there's a lot of things that you might, you might listen to Catholic radio, but do you know about Catholic social teaching? You know, that's mm -hmm. an essential part of what our Catholic faith is about. You know, we might listen to, you know, watch EWTN and we hear there's things we hear about, but we may not really kind of get that kind of like, okay, here's all the basics, you know, a well-rounded approach. And so many people have gone through not just conversions, but we've heard of so many, adults just become alive with their faith from realizing, wow, there's so much more here than I realized, you know? And so the book that you have there, the book is based on it that is. symbol video series. Uh, and that's, yeah. So you've got the Australian edition that's there. Right. You came out with, thank you. That's great. <laughs> you so got the American version there. If those in America, where can they, they can go um, on the Augustine uh, Institute website or. Where, well, where actually this one is America? published. It's not by, published by Augustus, it's published by Ignatius Press. Ignatius. So here's the U.S. edition, Love Unveiled, Catholic Faith Explained. You can go to my website, edwardsri.com. It's there, just edwardsri.com. Ignatius Press is the publisher. But one of the things we do, though, is, it's again, it's I like to say this isn't your grandma's catechism. This is addressing, it's a walk through the faith, but anticipating what are the, the cultural weeds out there, I like to say, you know, the weeds that choke the life of faith. But if you live in a secular world, you just watch the news, you listen to the radio, you take in Hollywood and Netflix, you're just taking in constant doses of things that undermine your faith and most of all your children's faith. Uh, and we need to be aware of what are those things that, you know, my, I can send my kids to Catholic school. I can send my kids through catechism. I can get confirmation. But we're living in and not a neutral society, whether it's in Australia or here in the States. The Western world is secular. It's relativistic. And secular doesn't mean neutral. It, it means we have an opinion about what matters most in life. What is truth? What is beauty? What is goodness? They care about those things. They just have a very different vision from what Jesus taught about these things. And so what we're trying to do is intentionally kind of walking someone through the faith, but with those weeds in mind. And how do you kind of pluck those weeds out so that faith can really grow. And I think that's so important for just raising children in, in a secular age today. So that's what this book is trying to do. And it's emphasizing, it's called Love Unveiled because uh, the last thing people think about when they think about the Catholic faith is love. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted yeah. to emphasize that, no, no, everything we believe is about love. It comes from the God who is love. love and he freely one. chose to bring us into existence out of love. He didn't have to create us. And he loves us so much. He has a plan for our lives. He wants us to be happy. And even though we turn away from him in sin, he loves us so much. He seeks us out. He sends his son to die for us. And he gives us the church to guide us so we can follow the path of love and share more love with this world. Everything we believe as Catholics is all about love. But the average Catholic could never explain it that way. And that's what I want to do. I want to really make it really easy. So it's a very accessible book. Uh, again, I know people in high school are using this. So it's very, if you can read the newspaper, you can read this, yeah. but it's going to take you on a journey of faith. So almost 300 pages. This is a good, good um, book to have. Uh, you could use it as a reference book as well down the track, right? You read it through once and then you can come back to it over and over again. 
I imagine. Yeah, or you know, like you like you said, it could be like a reference, but like I just want to read up on relativism. Why is relativism mm. wrong? Or I want to understand. I have to explain the mass to my kids. Yes. Or why do Catholics believe about Mary? You know, or can I really yes. trust the Bible? You that's can just read you. the chapter that's most interesting to you. Well, you know what we're going to do? You've inspired us, Dr. Red, and we're going to, because of uh, the arrangement we have with Ignatius Press and having the rights to print it, we're going to offer a 40% discount um, for this month only for those who want this book. Um, all you do is go to perusiamedia.com. Those in Australia, um, you go to, and type in the code PP, that's for Perusia Podcast, ES, that's for Ed Shree, and LU, that's for Love and Vow. So P-P-E-S-L-U, and I'll get our guardian angel to type that in. P-P-E-S-L-U as the code. That's going to be in the comments and um, and the link will come up to and, and do yourself a favor. You'll get available this at 40% off. We're not, we want everyone to get this. I think this will have a huge impact on our, on our church. So thank you for that. That's uh, brilliant. Now I'd love to dive in some questions. Um, we've got about 15 minutes. Are you ready to do some of these? Yeah. Um, and then I, I do have a few other little uh, uh, announcements and, and things because you've, um, You've written so much, um, and maybe while we're on the topic, I'll, I'll ask the I'll ask the most recent question first because it's all on this topic. I mean, very quickly, guys, we're not talking about an author of one book here. We've got how many books are we up to now? We've got Biblical Walk Through the Mass, Ed, um, Ascension Press. That's a full program. We're not going to have time to explain each one, but you've just done so much. No greater love. I mean, that is oh, that's, that, that's one on on Christ's passion. That's a great book for yeah. Lent. Holy Week, it's walks through the passion narrative story and understanding biblically what's happening. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very new. Um, you've also got uh, these other popular ones, um, Who Am I to Judge uh, with AI? And you've done a, a whole series on this, a program, yep. which is very clever. And, yep. um, what Very, very relevant right now. Um, people um, misinterpret that word judge, don't they? <laughs> um, but talk on moral <laughs> relativism. Um, into his likeness, this is another um uh, popular book and and this is great for anyone uh just to take your faith seriously right and how what it is to be a disciple to follow christ and and not just be a fan so this is really really um yeah this is about now. our faith not out here like this is about what's happening on the inside mm. am i really living it deeply so brilliant into his likeness um then there's praying the razor like never before we've been selling the cd version of um uh of this in uh, the talk, through the lighthouse yeah. CDs, and but there's the book uh, format, which is great, and and the power of the rosary right now. I mean, we've got to turn to prayer, don't we, more than ever? And this will transform the way you pray the rosary. Anything you want to say on this right now? Yeah, I would just say it. We all struggle in playing the rosary. We get distracted. Mm. We sometimes don't put our heart into it like we should, and that's okay. Jesus wants to meet you there, uh, and that yes. this book is about how to really encounter Jesus, even in the midst of the difficulty you have. In praying the rosary and if you've never prayed it before it also has a lot of tips on how to get started like little basic ways to just start your rosary devotion great great oh very good you also got a full program <laughs> biblical with me we're actually doing an <laughs> online uh group now about 70 or so have registered for that um we're doing these zoom uh, meetings and it's been great matthew tag is that is leading that on friday nights and um this is really um giving people a new insight. What I love about what you've done here, you've gone into the the, the sites of where Our Lady was herself and, mm. and you've gone through key moments. I love this. I've, I've facilitated a few studies thanks to Ascension Press putting this together, but brilliantly done, Doctor. Um, I think this is, this is something every Catholic needs to do. <laughs> really, really interesting. 
Um, and then you've also got another one on Mary. We haven't got it here right now, but uh, Walking with Mary. Um, Walking with Mary, yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've done things on the Gospels and Scripture. So this is actually an Australian production. When you came out here a couple of years ago, you spoke yeah, to there we go. all the Parramatta teachers. Yeah. So that's on the Gospel yep. of Mark. So we're, that's not only in DVD format, it's also in a digital format on our Perusia On Demand platform. So check it out at our website, um, Perusia. So even people in the United States could get that if they want to watch yes. the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, they can just download it online. Um, and then finally, uh, just while, you know, other Gospels, you did Matthew recently as well, and and that's something you did with um, Curtis yeah. Hitch. Yeah, you don't now, have my new book. in your hand? This one, this one just came out. This is my new, like, condensed version of a walkthrough uh, Matthew's gospel called God with us for, ah, for this okay. liturgical year okay, when so the church is kind of walking through Matthew's gospel and you want to get ready for the Sunday readings and know like, how does this fit into the larger story Matthew's telling us? Uh, the big theme of Matthew is Emmanuel. God is with us. And that's, that's yes. what, it, uh, that's what Matthew is trying to highlight every step of the way is Christ building his kingdom, making God's presence available to us. Well, beautiful. Well, that answers now. <laughs> I think that we have a question here. Um, they said, We've got here. When is your next book? What what can we expect next? So that's your most recent. Is there anything in the works as well? Uh, have you got something coming out in the next year? Yeah, or so? I, I have a couple things that are coming out. You can pray for it. Um, one is I, there's some things I'm writing for Focus. So a number of okay. things related to the Bible studies about the Catholic faith, like just like what is the Catholic, you know, what is the good news, you know. So we're we're working on that right now. We have a whole series of articles that. People can use for discipleship. So if you can pray for that, I would appreciate it. Uh, okay. That's that's my main focus. Um, I've also been working on a wonderful project I'm really excited about. Um, I, I'm so thankful for it. Uh, it's all on the the journey God wants to take us in our interior lives. Yeah, so what is God wanting to do in my life of prayer? Uh, taking from the wisdom of the saints. Uh, and so, so for so many saints, making them real, real and accessible to us and about the different themes of what God wants to do in our heart, you know, to grow in trust, to grow in surrender, to, uh, to how do we deal with our weaknesses? How do I deal with my struggles in prayer when I don't pray well, I don't know how to pray. Um, what is it that God wants to do in the life of prayer? Uh, so it's not a book about prayer. It's about what God wants to do in me through prayer, how I can cooperate with him more. Uh, so be on the lookout for that sometime in the, so that it, did you, you come up with a title? What was the, t- have you got a title for it or we don't have a title that, yet. I'm, okay. I'm praying for that. Yeah. I'm asking okay. you all to pray, pray for the project. I'm still, still working on things with it. So, well, well, that should answer your question. Ty Augusta, thank you for asking that question. Um, and others, um, thank you very much. Uh, what are we up? What's the, what's the official count now? Um, books, uh, I mean, programs, you've at least got four with Ascension, at least, um, Augustine you've done. Oh, at least that similar amount, if not more. Um, yeah. uh, and then EWTN series, you've got quite a few. <laughs> That's how I discovered yeah. you on EWTN. Um, okay. <laughs> and you did all these um, series on there. Um, the, I mean, how, and then then the books. How many books are we up to now? I mean, it's, I I don't know. When people ask me this, I need to go check. You know, yeah. like, I think it's it's around twenty. Twenty Probably books. Around twenty. God bless you. That's amazing. Uh, that's 20 and still going. That's it. We'll pray. Keep doing it and inspire. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next question here. Uh, we've got here. Um, uh, well, thank you, uh, Jeremillo, for your comment there. Thank you. They're praying and watching for you. 
Um, here's a great question, Georgina. Um, how do you differentiate a call from God uh, to maybe just your imagination slash pride? So how do you know what, what God is wanting from you? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Well, one is I think you're, you, you always need to bring these things to someone else. When you're just on your mm-hmm. own going, I feel called to just go move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I come home and tell my wife, I think I'm supposed to move. <laughs> like, that's not going to go wrong. I have a vocation. I have a responsibility to her and we have to discern that together. Right. Um, so I think your state in life is one piece. Like if, in other words, you're married, you're a father, you're a mother of children that, that limits like what God may be really asking you to do. He's not, God is never going to all of a sudden say, leave your family and go join a hermitage. That's just not, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that's a sign that no, that's from the devil trying to keep you from your vocation. Uh, or just whatever, it doesn't have to be big V vocation. It could even be just like your general responsibilities in life. You know, you, you have to weigh that in. Um, but I think bringing it to someone else, even if you're single, uh, and to bring it to like a spiritual director, a confessor, this is what I'm sensing God is asking of me. Um, so I think those those are those are important factors there. I think it's also, I write about this in a couple of different places. I have an article on this on my website. Check this out. So if you go to my website, edwardsree.com, and go to my articles under spirituality. I have a, a, an article called, I don't feel called. Because uh, there's many times where people will say, I feel called to do this, or I don't feel called to do this. And what they really mean is, I just don't want to. <laughs> and they'll say things like, well, I don't have peace with this decision. And, and again, God wants to give us peace, but the peace he really wants to give is a deep peace, not the original kind of emotional response. So if your bishop comes, you're a young priest and bishop comes and says, I want you to go move and do this. Your initial reaction, is, oh, I'm scared, or I don't want to leave this parish I'm at now, or your, your boss is asking you, hey, this could really be helpful. And you're nervous. It's, I'm, what if I fail? I don't know. Like oftentimes our initial response to a possibility that God puts before us is not a sign of his will. It's usually our initial emotional response is usually a sign of our own attachment to things, disordered attachments. I'm too attached to my comfort or my plan or what I want. Um, and that's actually something that the early Jesuits pointed out. And I think that that's spot on. What you want to do is realize uh, I'm looking for a deeper peace, a deep, a peace that comes with the cross. Sometimes, you know, when Jesus was in the garden, sweating drops of blood, he wasn't going, Oh, this feels so good. This must be from God. No, it was hard. God often asks us to do really hard things. Mother Teresa, when she had to leave her Loretto sisters and start missionaries of charity, start a brand new order, leave her dear friends. She didn't want to on a certain level. She, if she would have had like this idea, I just want to have peace. She would have never left. <laughs> she would have been more comfortable to stay with the Loretto sisters and all her friends. But there was a deeper peace Jesus wanted to give her that comes even in the cross. It's the peace that comes from knowing, you know what? I, I could have stayed with the Loretto sisters, but I would have always wondered, did I not give Jesus my best? You know, like I know I want, I want to follow Jesus. Like, and that, that, that comes only with lots of life experience and prayer. And definitely she did it with consultation with spiritual directors and her local bishop. She didn't just act on her own. Let that be our model. Like never act on your own. Always seek good, wise spiritual counsel. Uh, and then um, search for that deeper peace, not some initial consolation. Thank you. Thank you, Georgina, for that question. Hope that helps. Um, we've got a couple more here. Uh, we've got um, a comment. You've got to share this story um, uh, about Saint, the St. Saint Joseph moment you had. Um, 
when telling Beth while pregnant that you were moving to Denver? What? Okay, so someone knows something here. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I use this in talks often. So okay. somebody's heard me give this talk there in uh, probably when I was out there in Australia, or maybe it's from a U.S. Yeah. listener. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I that that was um, that we were when we were moving from Kansas to Colorado for the work here in, in, in Denver at the Gusson Institute and all. We uh, my wife was. My wife was in the last trimester of our you know, pregnancy for our fourth child. And so I joke and I said, you know, I, I try to cheer her up when she's in the heat and in the summer. It was summer when we're moving. She's packing up and feeling awful. Fourth, you know, your fourth child, third trimester. And so I just go, hey, honey, just trying to be like Joseph. <laughs> Joseph <laughs> having to move, you know, his wife in the third trimester down to, to Bethlehem and and I joke that that didn't go over well. <laughs> so that's all that's a reverence. Uh, well, um, uh, we've got a couple here. Um, this is an interesting one. Is the doctrine that the birth of Jesus was painless for Mary infallible or open to speculation? So, um, okay, interesting. Great. I will first of all say there's no doctrine. I wouldn't put it at the level okay. of like doctrine. You're not going to find it. There's this massive teaching, this dogma that came out that declared Mary didn't have birth pains. It's a correlation, a necessary correlation from other doctrines. So there's a great tradition you may have heard that Mary didn't have birth pains when she gave birth to Jesus. Where does that come from? This is not some weird Catholic piety about Mary. That's not what this is about. It's actually about Jesus. It's helping us understand Jesus better. You see, sometimes people think, well, Mary was immaculately conceived. And so therefore she wouldn't have had birth pains because birth pains are one of the results of original sin. And that's not the direction we want to go with this because Jesus also was sinless. He didn't have original sin. And one of the consequences of original sin is death. He chose to enter into death. Mary could have chosen to enter birth pain. So that, that, I don't think that you can't prove it from the Immaculate Conception. It's more actually where this dogma came out of historically is from the doctrine of Mary's perpetual virginity. That the early church defined Mary was a virgin before she gave birth to Christ. She remained a virgin after she gave birth to Christ. But here's the key third part of the dogma. She gave birth as a virgin in part two as she was giving birth to Christ. So, well, so that's the dogma. Mary was a virgin as she was giving birth to Christ. That's the dogma. The corollary from that is if she remained a virgin, you know, what does it mean to be giving birth virginally? She, you know, if you did a biological, you know, medical examination, she would look like afterwards she was a virgin still. Uh, you wouldn't have had all the evidence of, a, of the baby passing through like you would in normal kind of childbirth. Mm. And so the idea here is that Mary, as she's giving birth, Christ passes through Mary. And this is the image the early church uses, you know, like light passing through glass or, you know, Jesus, the light of the world passes through. Or another analogy is Jesus is in full possession of his divinity as a baby. He doesn't become God later on. You know, he was God from the moment of his conception and nine months into his, his life, he can pass through the walls of Mary's, you know, uh, of Mary, just like he passes through walls in his glorified resurrected body. He can do things like this, you know, so it's, it's a mystery. I don't have any answers to it, but there is a, a it's more Christological showing that Jesus is truly divine. The same Jesus is going to pass through walls can pass through Mary here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's, that's what this, this is about. It's not speculation. I wouldn't call it like, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd use the word infallible. I, I just say, yes, this is true. And, and there's not a doctrine about this. You're not going to find like a, here's a big article in the catechism emphasizing 
the dogma of Mary's, you know, you know, not having childbirth. It's more if you believe the dogma that Mary gave birth as a virgin, the necessary corollary is then she, you know, she okay. she would have uh, she wouldn't have had the childbirth pains. Thank you for that question. Do we have time for one more? Uh, we, we're one more for me. I'm good. I'm Let's good. Do, um, well, we've got a great one here, and this could be a, an excellent one to finish on. Um, Patricia asks, and thank you for that. What if the desire to heed a call is present, but where do I start and go is the challenge. So, yeah, you've got a call. You, you feel like you're called. Where do I start and go? Um, interesting. Oh, well, I'd love to hear more from Patricia yeah. about this, like what she actually means. So there's a desire to hear a call. Yeah, I want to follow yes. God's will. Yes. My question is, does she already sense what God is asking her to? That's my question back to her. Mm. Uh, and, and then it's a matter of, okay, then I've got to figure out how to work that out. You know, or is the question more like, I, I want to hear a call for my life. I'm just not sure what it is. Uh, so I think the first one's easier. Like, okay, I sense God wants me to go become a nun. Or God want that's not Ted Sri. I mean, I mean Patricia here. <laughs> you know, yeah. or if Patricia's single and not married, then yet then okay, well, then you just gotta figure out how, which which order and you're working out practical details. Or like I sense God is calling me to go do this thing for focus. Then I got to do the practical things and walking down and seeing is this possible? Does the Lord keep opening up the doors and all that? I think that's easier to resolve. It's it, I, I think the key is if you sense God is asking you to do something, then you need to start practically moving in that direction. God can't steer a parked car. Uh, so you need to start moving. Now mm. you may not, he may close a door, which is a sign that maybe, oh, maybe it wasn't quite that direction. Maybe I need to use this direction. Um, or maybe you realize that, that the doors are consistently closed that maybe God just wanted me to try. And that was, there was some good he wanted me to bring out of trying, you know? So that's easier. The trickier part is I, I want, I want to have a call. I just don't know what God is asking of me. <laughs> You know, and that's where, you know, to be able to go humbly before him. I think if you're praying every day, really listening to him and quiet, I don't mean just saying the rosary or divine mercy chapel. I mean, really, you are taking time each day to listen. You're doing meditation, Lexio Divina, things like that. And pour out your heart to him humbly saying, Lord, I don't know what your plan is for me. I want to know your plan. I, I believe you do have a plan for my life. I don't see it. I'm not sure what my next steps are supposed to be. And and to trust, you know, even... There's a great reflection Pope Benedict once gave about John the Baptist when he was in jail. He asked that question, you know, are you the Messiah? He sends messengers to Jesus. I thought you were, but now I'm in prison. Why is this all happening? Where are you, Lord? You know, and there's, and Pope Benedict makes the point that sometimes the great act in the spiritual life is not being able to see what's happening and, and, and to actually see that that's actually something very beautiful to sacrifice. I don't know what, is supposed to happen next. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like that right there, maybe God wants to meet me in that difficulty and be able to just surrender that saying, Lord, I surrender that I don't even know what you want. I want, I know, I, I wish I knew, you know, and I'll wait for you to tell me, but right now I can't see. And in the darkness, I surrender that. That is so good for the soul. That might be where, where God has you right now. Uh, so anyway, I try to give three different scenarios there. Thank you. Thanks, Patricia, for asking that, and hope uh, that helps you in, in um, get going in, in one way or another. There's a there's a huge element of trust, isn't it? And, and once we trust God, this this sense of freedom, uh, true freedom, we 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 experience um, stepping out in faith and trusting. Uh, you certainly have done that in your life, Doctor. Um, so thank you. 
Uh, we are um, out of time, but uh, just another reminder, those in Australia, um, you have the ability to get this book, Love Unveiled, at 40% off. Um, the code is P-P-E-S-L-U, P-P-E-S-L-U. Um, it might be a nice little um, uh, uh, little teaser for everyone, but ask them to pray. The Perusia Academy, which has been moving quietly in the background, not yet um, um, completely launched or anything like that. We're still in the works, but um, we're excited about having you involved, Dr. Edward Shree, and and um, we want to do something that's going to be more available for teachers, for catechists, for anyone who wants to get involved in ministry of some some degree to take their faith to that next level. And we're working um, diligently right now uh, to get some of the some of the world's best uh, teachers um, on the faith in philosophy, theology, scripture, Christology, church history, apologetics and trying to bring them together um, and make it available for people online around the world. So um, you've, um, you're going to be involved in, in a way. And I don't know if you want to make any comment about this, but we've got Scott Hahn let it out of the bag last week. So I'm going to just keep going with it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, but, but any, anything you could say in the space of um, a need for some, something for uh, uh, those who, um, who just want to go deeper, you know, you've got these great study programs and these are serving a, a great, um, uh, thing here where people in the parish can do group studies, do Symbolon, do, do the Essential Press programs. But you also got, you know, Augustine Institute, you've got uh, Franciscan University, Benedictine College, or if you want to do a degree in theology, you can go there. There's this space in the middle, and we're trying to fill this little void here. For those who just want to go that little bit further and, and, and really do something, um, uh, but but it's not quite a degree, um, and it's not just yeah. a uh, you know, yeah. it's something I think more. could you say a, a couple? You've been things? sharing this this dream for a while, and I think it's brilliant because that's true, right? You know, there's a lot of great faith formation programs out there, you know, that you can use, and, and that enriches your faith, and that's wonderful. But I meet people that go through those programs and go, okay, what's my next step? What do I want to do? And I'm like, go to graduate school. And if you want to go to graduate school? You know, you mentioned some great schools there. You mentioned Franciscan University. I'm a part of the Augustine Institute. I think that's an amazing place to go. You should mm -hmm. check those schools out if you want to do graduate school work. But then when I say that, a lot of them are like, oh, I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if I have the time. I just don't know if that's for me, you know? And so like, yeah. there's some that aspire to the graduate thing, but then there, there could be something in, the, in between. Uh, and that that's like, you know, if you're just hungering, I just want to know my faith better. I really want to know it better to pass on to my children better. I want to know it better to maybe serve and lead small groups and help do catechesis evangelization. That's where I think this is a great option, you know, because it's going to be, from what I understand, it's going to be economically priced yes. so that people, it's going to be accessible for the average person. Um, and then it's also the time commitment. There'll be, you know, some light reading and, you know, but it's not like you're, it's not intensive like graduate school and it's not as intensive like amount of class time and all that. It's something you, you can, if you're already doing small groups on a regular basis, you can easily fit this in your schedule. Yes. Uh, that kind of thing. So I, th I think it's brilliant. I'm excited to, to, to be a part of it. We're, we're hoping to do a couple different classes we've been talking yes. about there. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll pray for that. Please ask for the viewers to pray for that. Perusia Academy, uh, we hope to launch next year. Um, and we, we invite you to pray for that project to make sure you can um, fill a need and fill a void. Don't forget uh, this weekend um, is the Marriage Summit, completely free any married couple, any engaged couple, any anyone dating, those who are single, who are uh, pursuing a relationship, get on there. It's completely free. You're going to see Dr. Edward Shree and his wife, and you can interact with them this weekend. So uh, please subscribe. Completely free. The link 
was sent earlier, we'll probably repost it again and uh, make sure you do subscribe to that. Um, we are, thank you, Dr. Edward Tree, for this. And I'd, I'd like to invite you any final comments and then maybe a final prayer as well. All right. Well, let's close in a prayer here. I'll just say thank you to you, Charbel, for all you do. You're in my prayers. Thank Thanks you for so everybody much. there down under. I'm so sad. I can't come and be there with you all this year. Uh, but hopefully 2021, I think we're looking at some dates for that. Absolutely. God willing, we get past this coronavirus crisis. Let's entrust our lives and all the listeners and all of our apostolates to Mother Mary. As we say in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother of, of God, pray for us pray sinners, for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Of our death. Amen. amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank God you so bless much, everyone. Dr. Shree. God bless. Pray for this man. Subscribe to the Facebook page and get in touch with what he's what he's doing. And thank you again. God bless. That's another Perusia podcast. Take care.